0: Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Anyone who has watched the developments in Lebanon over the third quarter of 2020 might feel safe in stating that the country appears to be in crisis. Stratfor's Middle East and North Africa analyst, Emily Hawthorne, is here to tell us why this matters in global geopolitics and what likely might happen there in the near future. Emily, thank you for being here. Thank you. Could you do a quick review of what has happened and is happening in Lebanon right now? Sure, yes. So there
1: are several things going on in Lebanon right now. I think two things in particular merit focus. We are only a matter of weeks out from the massive Beirut port explosion in early August, which killed nearly 200 people and made hundreds of thousands of people homeless. There has been no real investigation yet into culpability for this disaster. You know, the cause for the explosion itself has been um, known and and publicized um, since the days following the incident. But in terms of who put the ammonium nitrate there and why was it there and who was responsible for it politically, uh, those questions remain unanswered. And there are a lot of still wounded and homeless people in Beirut. That's understandably increasing popular anger at the government. People are seeking answers and they want to see some tangible change to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again. And then there's the other very important thing to focus on right now is this ongoing financial crisis in Lebanon, which really was building for years and years, but which really burst to the surface over the last year six to eight months. Um, when I was in Beirut last summer, you could feel the economic strain building and people I spoke with were afraid to lose their jobs. They were worried that the currency, the Lebanese pound, that its value would continue to drop and weaken their purchasing power, lower the value of their savings. And all of that, very unfortunately for the Lebanese people, all of that has happened in the last year really to a significant degree. So we've seen economic strain really bubble to the surface. There were very uh, substantial anti-government protests that began last October. They continued on and off um, until the coronavirus this spring forced many people indoors. But anger about that Beirut port explosion, of course, has reignited uh, that anti-government sentiment. And we've seen numerous demonstrations since, and we're really likely to keep seeing more.
0: The explosion that rocked Beirut Obviously, still is capturing attention around the world, uh, but it was more than just a harbor explosion, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, this explosion was
1: really indicative of something that many Lebanese citizens have been complaining about for years, for decades, which is that there's a lot of finger pointing uh, between Lebanese politicians and not a lot of actual problem solving, not a lot of actual listening to what the Lebanese people need and want out of their government. Um, Because the Beirut port explosion was likely the result of some serious negligence, um, it's become this horrible metaphor for how the government doesn't actually care about its citizens, and it had deadly and destructive consequences. So it's become this, this terrible illustration of exactly what Lebanese people were protesting about back in
0: October. Well, what is the political impact of that Beirut port explosion? So the Lebanese people are using this
1: as an opportunity to sort of resurface their demands for more comprehensive change to the political system. And that political system is, in Beirut is really unique. It was structured in such a way to uh, solve conflict, and to bring all of Lebanon's sort of diverse sects and ethnic groups and interest groups and its very diverse population. It was supposed to bring everybody to the political table. But that system was effective in sort of solving various conflicts in Lebanese history, but it's never been a system that governs efficiently and effectively. And it is also very resistant to reform and change. So Despite this very massive Beirut port explosion, we don't expect there to be um, substantial reforms and changes to the system. We do expect that there will be some surface level adjustments to perhaps the the country's very stagnant electoral laws. We do expect there to be some economic reforms, something in the banking sector, Basically, anything that would allow for the transfer of some external financial aid. There are a lot of conditions that have been placed on the Lebanese political class, demands by um, external actors such as France, as well as the US, demands for some political reforms, some economic reforms before any financial aid is transferred. So we do expect the Lebanese political class to agree to some small reforms. But in terms of actually structurally reforming this very complex system, we don't really expect there to be significant changes. And that's why I think the near term trajectory for Lebanon's political and economic situation remains pretty grim.
0: Politically, are we looking at something akin to the other sort of revolutions or popular uprisings that have happened in the region over the last decade? I think
1: that Lebanon is experiencing its Arab Spring moment. It's become a bit of a cliched phrase, but absolutely, Lebanese across various ethnic and sectarian groups really demand something different. And that is... That is unique. Um, However, we don't think that the system is going to change until the people in power over those interest groups really begin to feel um, the sort of economic pinch that the lower and middle class are feeling. And I think it's still going to be a long time before the financial crisis. As bad as it is, it's still going to be a long time before it affects those elite. Um, And that's why it's yes, in terms of what you're seeing in the street and demands for um, substantial comprehensive change. But people want to see some of the politicians who have been in power for 30 years since the end of the Civil War. Um, people want to see some of those names gone. They want new blood in the system. They want new parties. They want new um, ways of, of governing. Um, but I think it's still, despite what people are demanding, The people who are in control of actually changing that system, they don't want to see the system go just yet because that's where they derive their political and economic power. So I think we're at a critical moment for Lebanon, but I don't think we're at the moment where everything is going to tip and change just
0: yet. Internally, that may not happen. How yet does Lebanon connect with broader global issues?
1: So Lebanon is a is a very small country, but it does have an outsized impact in the Middle East and beyond. And one reason is that there is a huge diaspora, um, which is connected with the lengthy civil war that that took place from the
0: mid nineteen seventies until the early nineteen nineties. That's pretty powerful memory for the entire global community. That war mm-hmm. created all sorts of side effects. And and when you go to Beirut these days, you know there's a there's a whole new
1: generation that's there that. You know, they weren't around for the war, but the war is still very much a part of the history of Beirut and Lebanon. And it's a part of the history of these families. But there is, you know, some pushback against the reputation that Lebanon and Beirut has as just associated with that war. When people outside Lebanon think about Beirut, they often think about the civil war and it does make sense. I think, too, that war and the fact that it arose in part because Lebanon is such a diverse place. Um, That points to another way in which Lebanon has outsized importance in the Middle East, which is that um, its very diverse population has offered potential footholds for powerful regional states, Arab and Muslim countries like Saudi Arabia or Turkey and Iran, um, to try and build up their political influence there. Really, there's only been varying degrees of success there. Iran has Perhaps had some of the most success through its connections with Hezbollah, which doesn't represent the whole Shiite community in Lebanon, um, which is very varied in and of itself. But Hezbollah has become a very important part of the political and security landscape in the country, um, and that's given Iran a lot of a lot of influence in uh, Lebanon. Um, whereas Turkey and Saudi Arabia have a lot less. So it's it's a place of <laughs> where everyone is trying to sort of exert their own agendas there, and I think Lebanon. And the Lebanese push back against that. And I think that the young generation right now is pushing back against that to a significant degree. Um, And I think that that's one of the reasons why it's really interesting to watch these protests right now, is they are in part rejecting the sort of sectarian heritage that Lebanon has and the reputation that it has. And they want to sort of see if it's possible to create a new identity for Lebanon and, and something that isn't just a part of the history of the civil war and of the conflicts that, that preceded it.
0: That is a lot to keep our eyes on. Emily Hawthorne is a Middle East and North Africa analyst with Stratfor, a rain company. Emily, thank you so much for that guidance. Thank you. You can read more of Emily's comprehensive intelligence and forecasting on Lebanon and the region, as well as stay ahead of what will happen next with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. You can check out the special price for podcast listeners at Stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, Stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.